Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. I have said for a long time now that no matter what you think of abortion, Roe versus Wade is terrible law. Just just from a law perspective, it is not constitutional. I have had many people tell me that it is constitutional because the Supreme Court says so. <laughs> and just because the Supreme Court says so doesn't make it constitutional. The Supreme Court has said many times that things are constitutional or unconstitutional, and they later reverse their thinking and correct bad decisions. No matter what you think of alcohol, for example, saying it was unconstitutional and, and, and banning it was bad law. Saying that anyone can kill a baby just is, is, is bad law. And when you see that it was made legal by saying that the Constitution gives the right to kill your baby because you have the right of privacy is just a terrible decision. And, and side note here, it, if this was the case, let's, let's just say that, that it is the case that you have the right to privacy and so you have the right to do whatever you want with your own body and, and have an abortion and, and, and kill your child. Well, where are all the, the pro-abortion advocates when it comes to mandating the COVID vaccine? Because if you have the right to kill your baby because it's inside your body, then you have the right to not take the COVID vaccine if you choose not to do so, right? Well, the Daily Wire, BBC, and the New York Times report that last Wednesday evening, the Supreme Court denied an emergency petition from abortion providers ruling five to four to uphold a new law in Texas outlawing the vast majority of abortions in the state. Now, this is good news. In May, Texas Governor Greg Abbott signed a law outlawing abortion once a doctor could detect activity in the heart of an unborn child. Abortion providers in Texas filed an emergency appeal, but the Supreme Court ruled five to four that it would not be overturned. They didn't explicitly say whether the law was constitutional or not. They only said that they would not block it. Now, the language in the bill is, it says it's this way. It says, quote, cardiac activity, unquote, which begins before an actual heartbeat. And, and I know there's a lot of um, a lot of outlets out there, media outlets that are saying that, you know, it's this uh, bans all abortions after, after six weeks. Well, not necessarily. It's what it is, is once it, you can um, detect cardiac um, activity, well, that's when you can't have the abortion. And that does usually occur around the six-week mark, but not necessarily. Now, other states have attempted to pass similar laws in the past, but the federal courts have usually blocked them. And the move stunned many legal observers and abortion rights advocates who were exempt, uh, expecting the court to 
suspend the law until um, after the justices decide on the Mississippi case, which, of course, you know, we talked about earlier in an earlier podcast. As the judicial dust settles, here are five significant implications of this court's action. Number one, Roe versus Wade is on the ropes. And isn't isn't that wonderful to hear? It's wonderful for me to say <laughs> that, that it looks like Roe versus Wade is on the ropes. 48 years ago, in a landmark case, Roe versus Wade, the Supreme Court legalized abortion across all the United States, ruling that that women have an unfettered condition, uh, constitutional right to the procedure during their first trimester, which is, of course, the first 12 weeks of pregnancy. The court has occasionally chipped away at that right, upholding uh, spousal and parental notification laws and allowing greater regulation of abortion providers. But by and large, the president has upheld. Now, what is Roe versus Wade? And I, you may say, well, of course, it was the court case that made you know, abortion legal all across the United States. But I, I think if you if we really take a, a closer look at what Roe versus Wade was, I think you're going to see a little bit more about why it's bad law. Now, the 1973 Supreme Court uh, ruling legalized abortion in the U.S. Yes, of course. But a, a vote of seven to two, the, the, the court justices ruled that governments lacked the power to prohibit abortions. So obviously up to that point, it was kind of a patchwork of, of abortion laws all across the United States. And then when that ruling came down seven to two, it made all abortions legal all across and that uh, the United States and, the, and that states could not uh, regulate that. Now, the court's uh, judgment was based on the decision that a woman's right to terminate her pregnancy came under the freedom of personal choice in family matters, as protected by the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. Now, the ruling came after a 25-year-old single woman, and her name was Norma McCorvey. Um, she she was under the, the synonym Jane Roe, and that's where we get the Roe part of it, challenged the criminal abortion laws in Texas that forbade uh, abortion uh, as, as un- uh, unconstitutional, except in the cases where the mother's life was in danger. Now, it's kind of interesting that now we see the challenges that are um, coming against Roe versus Wade now are actually coming uh, out of Texas and, and some of the places where obviously this this um, decision came down in the, in the very first place 48 years ago, almost 50 years ago. Now, Henry Wade, that was the Wade part of it, was the Texas general uh, attorney general who defended anti-abortion law. Miss McCorvey first filed the case in 1969. She was pregnant with her third child and claimed that she had been raped. But the case was rejected and she was forced to give birth. Now, however, in, in 1973, her appeal made it to the U.S. Supreme Court where she was represented by Sarah Weddington, a, a Dallas attorney there. And her case was heard on the same day as that of the 20-year-old Georgia woman, Sandra Benzing. Now, they argued that the abortion laws in Texas and Georgia ran counter to the U.S. Constitution by infringing on a woman's right to privacy. 
Now they won the case and the case created a kind of a, a trimester system, uh, which again is it, when you look at it, you, you, you can't say that this is in the constitution. You can't say that this is what forms life. But it, it created this trimester system that says, first of all, it, it gives Americans, American women an, an absolute right to an abortion in the first three months of their pregnancy. So in that first trimester, first three months, you can abort the child for any reason whatsoever, uh, you know, because you had tarot cards saying that the baby was going to be bad or something. It doesn't matter what, what the reason is. You can do it. No restrictions whatsoever. Then it allows some government regulations in the second trimester of pregnancy, uh, not many, but some, and then, uh, and then declares that, that states may restrict or ban abortions in the last trimester as the fetus nears the point where it, it could be um, considered a, you know, a, a living thing uh, outside the womb. Now, again, there's, there's not a lot of medical <laughs> um, backing here. Uh, you know, what, what constitutes life? And again, we've, we've gotten into that a little bit on, on prior podcasts, and I'm sure we will again on future ones, but there, there's, there's no, there's no real medical science here. There's no constitutional science here. Uh, nothing in the constitution uh, sets up trimesters or, or, uh, you know, determines when life is. And so, uh, so this, this is, this was a system that was set up, uh, that was, outside of anything that's that's uh, having to do with the constitution or or medical um, knowledge now roe versus wade also established that in the final trimester a woman can obtain an abortion despite any legal ban only if the doctor cert- uh, certifies uh, it necessary to save the life or or health of that of that woman in the half century since roe however there hasn't been a court majority as you know predisposed to ruling against abortion rights as the one that we currently have. Anti-abortion activists viewed the Mississippi case, which bans abortion after 15 weeks of pregnancy, except in medical emergencies and cases of you know severe um, fetal anomaly, um, as as their greatest opportunity to strike down Roe. That would allow individual states to decide the legality of abortion in their individual jurisdictions, obviously the way it should be. Now, while the court did not rule on the merits of the Texas law, the fact that five of the nine justices permitted it to go in into effect, even though it could have significant chilling effects on abortion providers and, and women seeking the procedure, you know, just willy-nilly or whatever, suggests that there is a, a functioning majority on the court ready to scrap Roe. That is awesome news. Anti-abortion activists aren't, aren't uh, you know, popping champagne corks yet, but a, a, an ultimate victory and, and one they've, they've organized and labored toward for decades appears within our grasp. Now, a, a new legislative loophole is what this law uh, kind of created. Now, let me get into that just, just quickly. Just because the court declined to pass judgment on the merits of the Texas law doesn't mean the court's ruling won't have an immediate effect. Texas appears to have found a way around quick judicial review of constitutionality, questionable laws. The, the, the Texas law was 
intentionally crafted to make it difficult to overturn in the courts. Traditionally, the, the state would prosecute those who violated such a law, but in Texas, the state has now opened the door for individuals to sue those who take part in an abortion. Do you see a little bit of the difference there? Now doctors and anyone else who aids and abets, is the way that they put it, uh, legal abortions can be sued by private citizens. Legal experts say the fact that the suits can be civil and not criminal will make it harder to overturn in court. So definitely a, a, a unique and, a, and, a, and an interesting way to go about uh, this, um, this ban. Now, abortion uh, providers in the state say that they're worried about challenging the law because they would be financially liable and could potentially have to pay large sums of money to the court. <laughs> of course, right? The state law uh, outsources uh, enforcement of the abortion ban to private citizens who can file lawsuits against abortion providers and individuals who aid and abet the procedure, collecting $10,000 in damages for each case they win. With no government official or entity enforcing the ban, the Supreme Court majority held that there's no one for uh, for uh, uh, opponents of the law to sue until those private cases start showing up in court. Now, President Joe Biden, <laughs> in, in his statement reacting to the court's ruling, highlighted the court's response to the unusual uh, construction of the Texas law in a scathing statement released on Thursday, last Thursday. Uh, rather than use his his supreme authority to ensure justice would be fairly sought, the, the high court of our land, is what he's saying, will allow millions of women in Texas to in need of, of critical reproductive care to suffer while courts uh, sift through the, the uh, procedural complexities. <laughs> the type of thing he does, right? President Joe Biden continued to, den be, to denounce uh, the, the court's ruling, calling the, the law extreme and unconstitutional. He announced a whole-of-government effect to fight the, the, the law and will be ordering the Justice Department and the Department of Health and Human Services to find ways to overturn it. So he is definitely coming against this, and he's trying to come against it with every federal agency that uh, that he can think of. Now, the White House is also encouraging Congress to pass a bill codifying Roe versus Wade, which would make it almost impossible for abortion bans like this to hold up in court. This is unlikely, though, at the moment, however, uh, as, as it would require 60 votes in the Senate, and they're, not, they're just not going to get that at this point. As the court does its sifting, <laughs> as Joe puts it, uh, other Republican-controlled states many of whom have already uh, tried passing some form of abortion ban, only have them uh, to have them suspended by the courts, are already considering copying the Texas law. Of course, I mean, I would as well. One thing to keep an eye on is that the tactic doesn't have to be limited to abortion. One can imagine liberal states even passing legislation allowing uh, citizen enforcement of handgun bans or global warming restrictions or vaccine mandates. So it's definitely something to look at because it's, it's almost a new area of law here. The Supreme Court might ultimately slam the door on such a practice. It's really hard to imagine the court allowing 
such a significant erosion of its powers of judicial review. But in the meantime, it's it's op- open season for states that have long been stymied by the federal courts. Now, who voted for this? And 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 uh, when it came to the Supreme Court, and Chief Justice John Roberts, uh, Justice Sonia uh, Sotomayor, and Justice uh, Breyer, uh, and of course. Um, uh, Justice Keegan were in dissent, and and we kind of figured that though, the John Chief Justice John Roberts one was one of those that was kind of a little bit up in the air, um, but that leaves five justices that ruled in favor, um, and of of, of this uh, of this decision, and that is without Chief Justice John Roberts' vote. So, you know, once again, the 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 Supreme Court. Chief Justice, uh, who of course was appointed by uh, President George Bush in, in 2005, um, has sided with the court's liberals on a major issue. We know that he's he just has no backbone. Yeah, he, he really doesn't. Um, the last term, John um, Roberts signed on to a landmark case for uh, gay and transgender employment rights and sided against efforts to um, protect Trump, uh, President Trump tax returns from uh, criminal investigations. Uh, he also was the pivotal vote upholding the Democratic Health Care Reform uh, Act, which was uh, uh, back in, in 2016, Obamacare. Um, and he was he was the, uh, the crucial one for that. Uh, and, and, you know, such rulings have, have sparked the really the ire of conservatives, many of whom view him as a political uh, uh, apostate. I mean, he, he just... He, he, you never know which way he's, he's going to go. Um, the only thing that really, when it comes to him is that, that he, he doesn't like anything that makes the Supreme court look bad. So if there is an, an issue such as gay rights or whatever, uh, that he thinks is a societal shift, then he's going to go in, in that direction. Um, again, not really looking at what's constitutional, not constitutional. And from your chief justice, that's, that's a pretty bad statement. Now, Roberts is no liberal. His his rulings in favor of corporate power, religious liberty, you know, prove that. But his his high profile votes have placed him decidedly in the ideological middles per, per spectrum, I guess, on many issues. Uh, and if the if the balance of the court ever moves uh, to the left, well, you know, then then what we're going to see is that he probably is going to go that way as well. Now, abortion. Um, is is really on the ballot now. Because of this decision, abortion is on the ballot. For decades, abortion has been a more powerful motivating issue um, for conservatives and then for liberals. Uh, but um, but that may be only because you know anti-abortion activists are the ones that that are facing legal land uh, you know the legal landscape that uh, that they desperately want to change. Now, if Texas uh, the Texas ruling is an indication that the court is poised to strike down Roe then, and, and allow these states to ban abortions. Um, well, the, the legal landscape will shift quickly and dramatically, in my opinion. Uh, I, I think that what you're going to see is you're going to see um, the pro-abortion activists just go nuts <laughs> when, if, that, if that happens. And so um, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to see this as a, again, as a major issue, it's kind of calmed down a little bit, uh, over, over the last few years, in my opinion, uh, we don't see as, as many, 
um, demonstrations. We don't see it as, as much uh, of, of the back and forth when it comes to the, the abortion issue. And many, you know, they, they don't even consider it when they go to, to, to the ballot box. But, um, but I think it, that's, that's going to change. Uh, it will it will be abortion rights advocates who feel threatened uh, they, with with uh, fear that, that frequently an, an effective motivating factor in in getting people to the polls um, that the midterm congressional elections just a year away, uh, a, a candidate views on abortion rights will no longer just be a theoretical discussion, um, but the ultimate fate of, of the um you know, procedure just uh, de- de- deciding the courts. I mean, in other words, we are now voting for people who actually might have an effect on abortion. Oftentimes, you can say to a candidate, "Hey, are you pro-abortion or you're anti-abortion?" And they will tell you one way or another. But you know, really, they're not. They're not going to have much of an effect on abortion. They're, they just don't. They're not in a position to do that. Well, this is going to actually put many into a position um, where they will have an effect on abortion. Now, legislatures, uh, legislators in states and U.S. Congress will be casting votes on abortion laws that have all have very real implications for everyday Americans. Um, for instance, Democratic uh, votes in Texas, a traditionally conservative state that has trended. Uh, to toward the the left in in recent elections could take note of their legislators' sweeping efforts to reshape abortion law and flock to the polls next November. In other states, it could be conservatives who turn out uh, to overturn abortion uh, protections. So, you know, for decades, Republicans and Democrats have been saying abortion is is on the ballot, uh, and it's it, it's a it's kind of a, a voter cry uh, and, and a candidate cry. Um, you know, uh, abortion is on the ballot, so vote for me. You know, I, I want to overturn it or I, I want to keep it legal. Uh, some, um, particularly on the left, have, have struck, kind of shrugged that off a little bit. But if, if Roe falls, it will, it will be hard to dispute such an a, uh, assertion that, um, that they don't have any kind of effect on abortion. Um, so, so how is Texas reacting to this? Well, on Tuesday, there were, and this was again, like one day before this came down, uh, there were reportedly long lines at many clinics as women rushed to get abortions. How sad is that, right? Some providers said that they performed more abortions Tuesday than any other day in memory. But by midnight, of course, they began turning patients away as the law went into effect. And, and, and how would you like to be? You know, how would you like to look back on on this time and say, "Boy, I got my abortion in before, you know, it was made illegal, and I killed my baby on the last day that that I possibly could." Um, it, it's it's just sad. Uh, there were reports of women going to other states in search of abortions, and and some companies, including the dating app Match.com, they they said that they they're offering funds to employees who must leave uh, the state to get an abortion. So if you want to go outside of Texas, you have to go outside of Texas to get an abortion, they'll pay uh, for your trip there and back. Um, many pro-life groups in the in the state celebrated the verdict and and uh, simultaneously called on Texas to, to donate to crisis pregnancy centers and other resource uh, resources for uh, expectant mothers who would have otherwise had an abortion. Uh, pro-life clinics in the state said that 
they're already seeing a surge in the number of patients uh, coming through their doors. Um, not only is this a victory for those that oppose, uh, oppose abortion, uh, it is a call to elect pro-life candidates on every level of government. And, 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 and I, I want to just reinforce this right here. I want to end with this and say that it is up to us now to, uh, to, to elect pro-life candidates. We, again, have not had a situation for a while now where the candidates that we elect have much of a say when it comes to abortion. Now, I, there have been a few, and, and the election of President Donald Trump obviously had a big effect on the Supreme Court. And, and the, the three justices that he was able to put onto the Supreme Court have definitely helped. Uh, we, we would not be talking about this here today if President Trump had not gotten elected. And so, um, I mean, can you, can you imagine what Hillary Clinton would have done with, with three uh, different people on the, on the Supreme Court? Uh, it's, it's just, it's mind-blowing. But, you know, God has us in his hands. And, and, uh, and Trump was elected. And now the court is leaning toward correcting this terrible, terrible law of Roe versus Wade and making it so that abortion, again, it's not going to make uh, abortion illegal just flat out across the whole United States. What it will do if the court overturns it, and what this, this is one of the first steps toward that, uh, is it's going to then throw it back to the states where they will have to then say, okay, you know, abortion is legal or abortion is not legal and, and, and so on and so forth. Um, so what does that do? What that does is it, may, it means that whoever we vote for when it comes to even state legislators, um, I mean, federal legislators, of course, but, but even when it comes to state legislators, wh- whoever we vote for in those positions, this is, this is a big deal now. Because now it's up to the states, or not quite, but you know, it, it's getting there. It, it would be up to the states whether or not um, there's restrictions placed on abortion. And so we need to put those people in there now. We need to, to be active in our political campaigns. We need to be able to, to help those that have said that this is killing babies. This is murder of babies. And we need to put a stop to this just terrible, terrible law that's happened for almost 50 years now. And, and so I would encourage you, this is a call. This is, this is not just a celebration of a step in the right direction, but this is a call to action of you understanding who it is that you're voting for and are they pro-life or are they not pro-life? And, and let's, let's make sure that those people are in place now so that if things come down the way they should, then there are people there in response to that decision. And you may agree with me. You may disagree with me. I would definitely love to hear from you. And of course, you can always do that. You can, you can do that on our Facebook page. You can do that on our Instagram page. You can also do that at UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a production of Organite Communications.